Hello, this is Real Estate Insights, the podcast from Savills that works wherever it can to bring you all the key stories in the property world. And today we're looking at what, in a time of COVID, you might imagine would be the hottest part of the office sector flexible workspace. Hub and roam, I think, is definitely a term that, that we're seeing and hearing more and more. Uh, as we see offices emerge in all types of locations, they might emerge on our high street. And we'll be asking whether changing demand is a short-term reaction or a long-term trend. There isn't a, a conversation that goes by with a, an occupier that doesn't involve flexibility um, in, in the way that they're looking at their real estate holdings. And that's the opportunity for, for co-working and flexible office space. I'm Guy Ruddle, and with me today are four people who all work for WorkThere, the Savills brand which helps businesses all over the world find flexible workspace. With me in the studio in London are Cal Lee, who's no stranger to Real Estate Insights. Hello, Cal. How are you? Hi there, Guy. I'm very good. Thank you. I should tell everybody, but not you, because you know already that you're the founder and the global head of work there. Also in the studio is Jess Alderson, who's responsible for global research output for work there. Jess, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you very much. And on the line, we have Dom Harding, who's head of work there Americas and is also a director of cross-border tenant advisory within Savills. Hello, Dom. Hi, Guy. And in Amsterdam is Ed Bouterser, who is the driving force behind Work There Europe. Ed, uh, welcome to Real Estate Insights. Hi, Guy. Right, let's get cracking then. Uh, Jess, can I ask you, first of all, I mean, I, 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 I can't work out whether this is a good market or a bad. I mean, every, the office market's bad for everybody, but this presumably is the best bit of it, is it? Um, yeah, definitely long term. I think the flexible office sector is going through a slightly challenging period. Um, but long term, I think it can only be a positive thing. Um, there'll be or there is already a huge kind of shift towards flexibility, both in terms of companies wanting flexibility over their cost base and also just individuals wanting flexibility as well. And But in the short term, in the, you know, in the last few months and, and where we are right now, um, I don't want to make anyone sort of feel too gloomy, but, but how, has, how has it been? I mean... Yeah, like like I said, there definitely have been challenges. Um, but I mean, one great thing about flexible offices, out of many great things, is that they are very adaptable. Um, like particularly compared to maybe more more traditional offices. Cal, on the on the ground, uh, what's your what's your working life been like for the last few months? I think challenging is probably the word I would and, and many have used um, on a day to day basis as we kind of navigate our way through this pandemic I, I would add i mean i think we took ourselves back to march and april i think the expectation was if you could invent a virus to derail the sector this would be it because people not working people working from home could could essentially kill off not just the office but certainly flexible office space because why would you go back to an office i think what we found six nine six or seven months later has been it's been far more robust than probably people wanted to give it credit uh, in, our, in our survey, which we'll talk about, 65% is the current contract occupancy. Now, that is obviously low. But back in March and April, the prediction was that could be down to 0%, given that everyone is on short-term contracts. So its robustness, I think, uh, if I'm putting my positive hat on, uh, has been far more positive than we probably anticipated. And Dom, in the States, uh, have you had that uh, a similar experience? Uh, yeah, we have. Um, you know, challenging certainly. Um, I'm I'm based in New York 
most of the time and that really was the epicenter of the the pandemic when it um when it hit and interestingly that's passed through and it's spread around the country so we've sort of seen the dynamics play out across all of the markets that we operate in um what we've then started to see more recently particularly sort of as we came towards the end of the summer and um and past labor day uh was a real um, sort of demand for maybe not the larger corporates to go back to their office space immediately but from more the individuals and the um, and the small groups who just had that sort of get me out of the house mentality and wanted somewhere to go. So I wouldn't say we're seeing or have seen as larger deals as we were um, perhaps helping our clients go through before, but we are seeing activity, which is really encouraging. Yeah, because Ed, you know, I, I'm sure Europe is, is, isn't fundamentally different from the UK or or, uh, or the US or other parts of the world. You know, the, there is a need at some point, you know, for, for work company. I guess. Yeah, I, I think demand for flexible workspace in times of uncertainty uh, trends to remain high. Majority of inquiries come from businesses looking to move from traditional lease, that's what we see, um, and those who are looking for suburban office space. So as a trend, I see companies not looking in, let's say, city centers, but more uh, in the suburban outside uh, areas of cities. And it will also be the current pandemic will also be a catalyst for people and companies to look at their current kind of way they are working. So there will be a big shift from, let's say, working five days in the office. There will be work one day in the office, work one day or two days at your home address and fill, fill out the rest uh, in flexible office space. That's a trend which I see in Amsterdam and other parts of Europe. We've definitely seen um, increased interest and increased inquiries for um, like the hub and spoke model. That's when you've got kind of one main office, say, in London, and then you've got, that, that's the hub, and then you've got lots of kind of spokes, so maybe offices in Leeds, Manchester, um, Bristol. Yeah, and I think we've also coined it the hub and Rome, and I think what, what the people want uh, and what we've talked about is obviously that flexibility to work from wherever they would like to, be that home, be that the office, be it a third space, be it on holiday, be it on a beach. Uh, and so hub and roam, I think, is definitely a, a term that, that we're seeing and hearing more and more uh, as we see offices emerge in all types of locations. They might emerge on our high street, which gives that a bit more impetus. Um, it might emerge in you know predominantly residential areas. I know in our data, areas like Clapham in London or Harrow or Hackney have seen um, demand for, for space increased by about 500% over the past six months but compared to what it was like pre pre-covid but that's interesting because yeah. you when i think of you know flexible office space i think of we work and big companies like that but i mean you happen to mention clapham uh, it, it's my manner <laughs> and, and there ain't no we work in in clapham so so do we think then that the the market is going to be dominated less by these massive players i think therein lies a really interesting question and opportunity at the moment clapham has very few big players, but I think there are lots of spaces where we could see bigger players entering into, vice versa. Um, as ever in these types of crises, we'll see new people set up businesses to, um, to to fill the gap, as it were, in the market. So I think there is an opportunity there. Um, clearly, the challenges at the moment is is 
is whether if you're a smaller player in that space, can you survive the ongoing uncertainty um, and, and potential cash flow problems? Whereas maybe if you're slightly bigger and you have that protection from a cash basis, you're better placed. Yeah, Dom. The- yeah, maybe maybe something to add. Sorry, guy. Um, it's also that uh, like like big corporates, but like many companies. Um, you give your employee a chance to work closer from home. And of course, the whole uh, healthy work-life balance is, is, is a big part of what's going on, not only in the Netherlands, but also in Europe. Commuting time will be less, so people will be happier with a more, let's say, different way of working. So that's sort of the geography. So I think I think we've decided now. I don't want to be oversimplistic, but I think we, you know, that, that, that it's perhaps you know there's a ge- geographical change. Is there a change? Do you think coming in the way, or maybe already here, in the way that people use that space and therefore providers have to offer it? I, you know, I'm thinking about things like sort of you know, uh, you know, pay as you go type stuff, maybe, or I don't know. I'm I'm making it up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, guy. I think. Just one comment on the geography. Um, you know, something we're we're not aware of yet is 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 this a trend because everyone's forced to be at home in the suburbs and and elsewhere, and therefore they just want some access, or is that a long term dynamic? Um, there's a reason why people gravitate towards urban centres, and it's for that. Um, it's for the vibrancy. It's for the access to shops and restaurants and entertainment and so on. So, yeah, that's a long term trend that we've got to watch. And that that brings us on to the next bit, which is those that pay as you go concept, as you mentioned. And and I think um, I think we're going to see more more of it. We've seen a number of companies creating a a class pass type. Um, um, product so you as a corporate or an individual can essentially buy access to lots of different types um, or lots of different um, companies and different providers out there and so if you're in in town one day and you need some space you can access that and if you're out in, in near Oxford or something you can you can just drop into your local co-working even if they are a different uh, a different company providing that service so that's really exciting and something that we are um, actively watching and working with with numbers of partners to to bring to our own clients um, world and it's been really interesting to watch how the providers have have really stepped up to the challenges that the pandemic has thrown at them from a safety aspect um, these providers are first and foremost managers of space that is occupied by people and so they're really well placed to to act really fast and pivot and bring in cleaning um, cleaning schedules and social distancing and perspex where it's needed and removing of soft touch and 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 things like this all of the sort of covid19 safe space um, requirements and so actually in a lot of cases they've created a better environment for people to work out of than um, than the cafe down the road or the office space Where's the demand coming from? Is there much demand right now, sort of growing? And, and, and if so, where is it coming from? What, what sort of people are looking for the space? I mean, we've talked about, you know, people, individuals working from home and things like that, but does it work at the other end as well, you know, big companies and the like? Uh, it depends a bit on, on, on where you're at and on which stage in this pandemic that that location is in. I think certainly in, in a lot of locations, the demand is short-term led, so it's immediate need. And, and a lot of it is small. I need a desk here, I need a meeting room here, or I need a desk for a, a month or two um, because I need somewhere else to work than, than my current home. 
but what we're what we've seen over the last three months um, is is companies who probably have some kind of critical date over the next twelve to eighteen months, and, and that might be a company who has a lease expiry coming next year. Begin to think about well, what does my future footprint look like? Um, and so I think our, our slightly medium longer term demand is around companies reducing some of their footprint size but increasing on quality because they recognise that if they're to get staff back to an office, it has to be a really great space and where people and their and their teams want to meet and collaborate. And is, it, is that like a sort of potential long-term thing? You know, I, I came across a company a couple of years ago, I think they employ, I don't know, 50, 60 people, something like that, who had moved out of a terrible office, but in a, in, in, they needed space quickly and had moved into flexible office you know one of the big providers i won't you know give them any more advertising but um and we're thinking well actually we might stay here for three or four years is that likely do you see that there's organizations of that many employees doing that sort of thing i think it's really important to put into context what's going on in the sort of corporate world and uh, the general office landscape um out there and i there isn't a a conversation that goes by with a an occupier that doesn't involve flexibility um in in the way that they're looking at their real estate holdings and that's the opportunity for for co-working and flexible office space it's sort of how does that become more intertwined and integrated into the um into the overall picture of how a large company uses its um uses that space and historically if we look back let's say five, six years, often a large corporate was just using flexible office space in an outpost for a small office they didn't want to commit to or maybe for a new company yep. coming up. Now we're seeing it really integrated into the headquarters transactions and we're dealing with companies of hundreds or thousands of employees where they're saying, okay, what what part of this dynamic can we put into a flexible solution and what part can we can we, can we look at a bit longer term because we know we're going to get a good deal if we can commit longer term and and balance that whole dynamic together. It's it's usually exciting and really interesting. And you layer into that sort of the more traditional landlords coming into the landscape as well, and either partnering with a with a co working provider, um, or having a go at it themselves and and putting por- a portion of their own um, real estate together. So the whole landscape is shifting around us. Yeah, and I think yeah. So Dom, you were saying you know companies with thousands, if not tens of thousands, or hundreds of thousands of employees are using flexible offices. Um, I think that like point about keeping employees happy is just so key. I think there's been a bit of a shift. So uh, last year we did our wellbeing awards. Um, and so we looked at, you know, lots of really amazing flexible offices with yoga rooms and gyms and it's all kind of nice luxuries. Um, and I think there were, there will be these types of offices around going forwards but I think there is a bit more of a shift towards value at the moment like you know companies and individuals are just more concerned about costs so I think there'll be a bit of a move away from kind of more luxurious flexible offices and yeah just more towards value yeah it's yeah, just that that geography comes in again guy and and the user experience as well so if it is a large company looking to or even a you know, medium-sized company it's um they're probably looking for control of that space. So if you have 50 employees, perhaps they're not all going into the center of town now, but you've given them access to a more geographically spread network of office space using the flexible office products out there. So then it becomes, how do you control that access? How do you stay on top of it? How do you control your costs and, and keep the team sort of working in the more dynamic, uh, more dynamic ways? Is this a sort of data-driven 
industry, do you think? So, yeah, I think data uh, will become more important. Uh, and also for uh, um, uh, big corporates, uh, like we uh, are, are speaking about the hub and, and Rome or spoke model, uh, how, how nice is it when uh, an HR manager or, or, or a manager can see uh, where employees worked, uh, what kind of meetings were used. So data yeah, will be crucial in, uh, in the next phase. And I, w- <clears throat> I would add from a data perspective, Ed's right. I think, I think COVID has, has often with data and, and certainly sensors, there was a bit of a big brother fear that you were over-monitoring space and people. But I think COVID, there's probably been more acceptance that you need that data to control elements to allow the, the, the employees to understand exactly how they're using the space. But equally, how they're using the building and the, and the efficiencies of that building, certainly one of the outputs of this whole pandemic has been the importance of um, ESG and, and, and certainly the, the climate change and sustainability agenda. Now, we need to do the Savile Standout statistic in a minute. But uh, before that, I want to ask each of you a sort of a quick fire question of uh, what's the what's the flexible office of the future? What's it going to look like? What, you know, what's it all about? Dom, can you do is, do you have an answer to what, what the flexible office of the future looks like? The key aspect that we're seeing coming in is technology tools, um, how to make it as seamless as possible to as I said, manage that space, manage access to it, manage your employees if you're an HR manager um, and, and the cost and everything else that comes through. So we're going to continue to see great technology coming into the space, creating a really seamless experience from employee and employer. I think in the office of the, of the future, technology will play a central role, a central role, in enabling employees to return to office buildings. We need to work safely. Uh, the whole way of, of, of yeah, meeting people is, of course, different. So, yeah, I, I think there will be a big shift. Yeah, interesting. Just, yeah. yeah? I think it will combine, like, technology and flexibility. So building on Dom's point, really, like, you know, maybe you'll just download an app and you'll just walk into a flexible office. You don't have to, yep. you know, fill out any forms or anything like that. And, you know, you sit down at a desk for 43 minutes and then you leave and you'll just be charged for that, you know, just those 43 minutes. And you'll go across the road to another flexible office and do the same thing. And it'll all just be a lot, lot more seamless, I guess. Variety is the spice of life. And, and, and the same with work. You want different, you have different types of work and different types of days and, and different types of workplaces to do that work. So, um... My big, yeah, word was going to be variety, and that kind of goes to what Jess was saying. Right, let's do the Savile Standout statistic then. Has everybody got a Savile Standout statistic ready? You've all been warned yeah. about it. Jess, yeah. Jess, who's head of yeah. research, is re- absolutely ready. She's sort of straining <laughs> at the leash to, to, to do this. Why don't you go first then, Jess? What's your Savile Standout stat? So the stat that I thought was really interesting recently is that Google searches globally for how to start a business reached an all-time high in July of this year hardships and kind of recessions they force people to be creative they force innovation you know lots of kind of huge companies like uber airbnb whatsapp um, have all been started during recessions and i think this will this will only happen again really oh so what a lovely positive thought ed why don't you go next what's your savile standout stat I think the corona pandemic has put an end to the rigid work culture uh, we need to stay uh, or need to go five days a week to the office. 
the, work, the working week of the future will, on the contrary, take place in different flexible locations that are much better suited to the indi- individual needs of employees. That's my stat. Excellent. I'm not entirely sure it's precisely a stat, but that doesn't matter. Uh, Dom, what's, <laughs> what, what, what's your, what's your Savile standout stat? Um, so I, I'm a similar um, trail of thought to Jess's there. My stat is the US saw 1.1 million new business applications among likely employers as of mid-September. So that's the most since 2007 and an increase of over 12% since last year. And Cal, what about you? I try and keep it simple and I think akin to, to those. Back in April when we first did our sentiment survey and there were 100 and plus providers, 62% were optimistic or very optimistic about the next 12 months. And despite the challenges and ongoing uncertainty, when we've done it recently in October, 76% are now optimistic or very optimistic. And I think it points towards the long-term fundamentals that this sector can do really well and that this is merely a blip in what is a very positive outlook. Uh, well, let's hope so. Uh, guys, thank you all very much for that. Uh, I really enjoyed that conversation. It's been uh, great to have you on Real Estate Insights. Thank you for your time and thank you for your wisdom. That's it for this episode of Real Estate Insights. If you want to delve more into the detail of the latest work there, Global Provider Sentiment Survey, which is what Cal was, was talking about just a moment ago, you'll find it on the Work There website, workthere.com. And I think it's in the blogs and guides section, if I remember correctly. In the meantime, thank you very much for listening. See you next time. This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered professional advice. Savills accepts no liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect or consequential loss arising from the use of, reference to or reliance on this podcast or its content. Savills makes no warranty as to the accuracy of the information in this podcast. This podcast and all copyright in this podcast is the property of Savills and it shall not be used, reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without Savills' prior written consent.